Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of the Pardes Parsha podcast features Yiska Smith and Rabbi Svi Hirschfield on Parshat Miketz. For the latest episode of the Parsha podcast, please visit almad.pardes.org. And now, Yiska Smith and Rabbi Svi Hirschfield. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Pardes Parsha podcast, the Triple P, as I like to call it. I don't know if everybody else calls it that. Uh, I am Svi Hirschfield, and I am blessed to be with a colleague and teacher, Yiska Smith. Welcome, Yiska. Tov, good morning. And, and Hanukkah Sameach. Hanukkah Sameach to you, to everyone. Hanukkah Sameach. Very exciting to be with all of you, and I have yet to overindulge in latkes or sufganiyot, so my head is still clear. I had one sufganiyot last night. Oh, such discipline. And I had a couple of levivot, a couple of latkes. Just to be yotze, Just though. to be yotze. I want to be clear, Yiska derived no olam has that pleasure from it. It was all for the sake of the mitzvah. That's how pious she is. I, I can't get there. <laughs> I'm not on that Madrega, but we'll oh, work on it. Gosh. Any event, uh, we're in Parshat Miketz, the Parsha that's always read for Hanukkah, which of course raises all these interesting questions. Yosef, Hanukkah. This has got a big smile. I know you can't see it, but uh, yeah. she is ready to go. She's there in Light. Both those it's days. all about light. Light. Discovering the light within. Beautiful. It's all about light. That could be a great title for those who want for this uh, podcast. So there's a lot happening in this Parsha. Uh, I want to begin with something I noticed and then and, and hear what Yiska has to say about it. Yosef, really at the end of last week and now this week's Parsha, goes through a transition. We first encounter him. He's the one who has dreams. Right, he has these dreams. These dreams actually get him into a certain amount of trouble with his siblings. Yes, they did. Okay, yes, because confirming that that assessment is true. But he's a dreamer, like his father also had a dream. And uh, he's a dreamer. And yet, at the end of last week and now this week, his world changes. He is an interpreter of dreams. Other people bring their dreams to him, and he interprets those dreams. So I want to begin by asking, Yiska, what do you make of that transition of going from the dreamer to the interpreter? Well, actually, there's a connection with Hanukkah and with light. Wherever we may be at any given point in our journey, that's where we are now. We don't know what will happen tomorrow until tomorrow occurs. So what I'd like to suggest is the beginning of his shlichut, of his mission, was to first experience the dream especially as we learn in Masechet, I think, Berchot, it's 160th of prophecy. Correct. So it's already he was connecting to what we call a higher consciousness. And that's what got him into, yes, trouble, and the reason I smiled is because it also got him into Egypt, which was the beginning of the exile, which is the beginning of the Gula, the redemption. So this had to happen, and that's the way this was constructed by the divine conductor. Once he was in Egypt, he then moved to a deeper place within him. I like to say he discovered, he discovered a piece of himself that illuminated to him. He was, it's the organus, it's this concealed light that we talk about on Hanukkah. Because we know the light that was created in the beginning, Bereshit, when God said, let there be light, Yehior, Vayahior, it wasn't the sun and the moon that gave light to the physical world. It's a different kind of a light. It's the light of awareness, the light of perception. The Rashi light of, says it's the light that's set aside for the righteous at the it, end of the whole thing, right? And that's part of what was happening here. He went deeper into himself 
whether he intended to or not, I don't know, but he did and discovered, well, not only am I a dreamer, but the next step is I can now connect to other people's dreams. So for you, what you're saying, there's something deeper there than in actual, because most of us think the reverse, right? The person who has the dream is at the top, but you're suggesting actually no, that the ability to find it in the other person actually is something stronger. Yeah, that connects to a deeper part of who we are in order to be that aware of the next person. And therefore just uh, your connection to Hanukkah? It's the, it's the illumination, it's the He'orah, it's the, uh, we say Ner Hashem in Mishlei, in, in Proverbs, Ner Hashem Nishmat Adam, that the Ner, the light of Hashem, is the very soul of a person. So as we go deeper and deeper, we uncover more and more light, which we call clarity, illumination, awareness. And this is what I believe that Yosef was discovering and then revealing, revealed that inner light along his own inner calling along his journey, was now I'm moving to the next step. I see it as a next step. Beautiful. So yeah. the way in Hanukkah, when we take our own Hanukkiah and we bring it out into the world, right? In the Rashid HaRabim in the public yes, space, yes. we're revealing our light uh, yes. to everyone else and also appreciating everybody else's light right. that's out there. And that's part of the deeper understanding of each night we add another light because each day we add, there's more to our journey. What works for me today probably won't work for me, maybe tomorrow, but surely may, next week, next month, next year. The light's changing. The light's it's growing and changing. Exactly, exactly. It's never the same. It's never the same. It's never the same. Wow, that's really beautiful. The only thing I would add, even though I like what you just said much better, but I'll add it anyways. Go <laughs> uh, on, teach the, me the, too. The, the interesting element there is the responsibility of chesed that goes along with interpreting a dream. In other words, when you're in charge of your own dream, you have your dream, so Yosef shares it, there's something that feels to us as the reader very self-driven, it's, about, it's a dream about himself, it's about his own future as he interprets it, and yet when he's in the prison, he hears other people's dreams, it's about their future. That's right. And, and my take, even though I don't know if it's true, but it's still my take, he ends up staying in prison at that point because he interprets the dream but doesn't offer any help. He doesn't turn to this man who's going to be executed in a number of days and say, let's figure out, now that we know what's coming, I want to try to help you. Let's he just gives him the information as if it's not his problem. And when he comes before Paro, the striking shift is he doesn't just tell him there's bad stuff on the horizon. He actually offers advice how you should solve the problem, what's going to prevent Egypt from starving to death. And I feel like that's the difference. The dream interpreter takes responsibility, not only for having the information, but trying to help once they have it. And that's his next step. So, I mean, it's perfect. As I'm listening to you, I'm realizing this is a three-step process. Before he was taken by his brothers and sold, he dreamt. Then that happened, brought into Mitzrayim, brought into Egypt, and then the way Hashem orchestrated this, he then interpreted the dream of another person. Then the next step is he actually provided a strategy. He grows. He grows. The whole, Yosef HaTzadik, every time he falls, he gets up to even a higher place. This is a growth. It's so coming back to what you're saying then. On Hanukkah, maybe our job is not only to think about our own light, but we have to really think about how to help other people Legame, completely. Know, bring their light out as well. You know, I have to tell you, last night, I live in Nachlaot, and one of the traditions in Nachlaot is there's a lot of music, 
And a lot of people, Israelis come from all over to see all the Hanukkiyot, the menorot, outside, right? You know, in the classic way of seeing it, right at the border, the boundary between the public domain and the private domain. Beautiful. So after I light, I sit on a chair, I start meditating and stare. The people that come by and they, I invite them to share with me, let's look at the light together and let's discover the light we have inside of us. The PSS narrates in Hachshirata Avrahim, one of the most amazing, amazing books on spiritual uh, practice, that we have all, all the light we need is inside of us. It's a matter of la getting to know yourself. So I invite people, I don't, even, I don't know who they are, to share the light with me as I can share my light with them. It's a fascinating uh, paradox. It's in us, but we sometimes need other people to bring it out. We can't bring it out alone. We can't. We can't. And that's the communal aspect of Hanukkah. Beautiful. Now, this issue you just raised, of course, the idea of rec- recognition, recognition, is also a big issue in our Parsha. As you mentioned, right, there's this moment when the brothers first come, and this very rich pasuk, I think, in many ways, that says that the brothers don't recognize him. He recognizes he, them. He recognizes them. But they they do recognize not recognize him. him. So what are your thoughts on, on, on that pivotal moment? Well, there? on that pivotal moment, uh, Rabbi Sachs, Zichono Levracha, may his memory be for a blessing, shared a, a, an essay that so inspired me. And every year this parsha, I like to reread it, remeditate and contemplate it, and, and then share it. The title of this essay was Disguises. And he talks about four people who presented themselves mm. in disguise. First we see, we see Yaakov claiming to be Esav with his father Yitzhak. Then we see Leah claiming to be Rachel to her soon-to-be husband Yaakov. Then we see Tamar claiming to be to Yehuda a prostitute when she really wanted to preserve the, the family yeah. line by marrying the third son. And then we see in the, it all climaxes in this parsha where it addresses it specifically that Yosef presented himself as somebody else other than who he is. And I just want to share two quotes from Rabbi Sachs that are so moving. He says, four scenes, four disguises, four failures to see behind the mask. What do they have in common? And I ask the listener, what do you have in common? I ask me, what do I have in common if I'm putting on a disguise? Something very striking indeed. It is only by not being recognized that Yaakov, Leah, Tamar, and Yosef can be recognized in the sense of attended, of being taken seriously, of heeded. Do they work? They work in the short term, but not in the long term. None of our disguises ever work in the long term. What we achieve in disguise is never the love, the acceptance, the being part of whatever we put on a disguise in order to achieve. It never really works. And this is is the beautiful way that Rabbi Sachs concludes this essay. Something else happens, though. Yaakov, Leah, Tamar, and Yosef discovered that they never, they will never win the affection of those from whom they seek it, from whom they disguised they realize, though, God is with them, and that ultimately is enough. A disguise is an act of hiding from others and perhaps from oneself. And many of us know what that's like, to hide from ourselves. From God, however, we cannot. So those who stand before God, and this is the light of Hanukkah, this is the Oregon news, to reach deep inside 
and realize how Rabbi Sachs concludes this beautiful essay, those who stand before God need no disguises to achieve self-worth when standing before humankind. You know, it's a very powerful, beautiful, this whole idea of disguise, also the Hanukkah story itself, where the Jews, the Hellenized Jews in the beginning would disguise their identity. They wanted to become Hellenists. This idea of, they, they really wanted to throw off what they were, but in the end, that's just a disguise, because who they really are is who they really are, uh, and that wasn't gonna change. It's a beautiful metaphor there. Uh, and also, it, it makes me wonder, and, and I'm gonna ask this question to you, the pasuk, the verse goes on to say, and Yosef remembers his dreams that he dreamt. And I wonder if before the brothers show up, does Yosef realize he's in disguise, or has he really become, you know, the, the, the second in command of Egypt with, the, with children with Egyptian names and, and him with an Egyptian name? Does he even remember he's Yosef until they come back? I want to believe he does. And according to the, the simple, simple, it's anything but simple, according to the Peshat, at a first glance, the initial first glance, when he named Manasha, who he named him, it was about being able to forget. He tried to forget. He tries to forget. He tried to right. forget and even named his son after that. Right. I don't believe it worked. It was too, that type of, this is just me reading into it. This is, I'm not quoting a great medieval uh, commentary here. Uh, we all suffer trauma. And healing, healing residual trauma, as a therapist has explained to me, a dear friend of mine who's a very successful uh, therapist here in Israel, you'll always remember. It doesn't, though, sound the alarm in the heart. Mm. It's so, not like it's happening right now. Exactly. And that's the healing. It's not a matter of forgetting. That's not healing. It's, it doesn't take up as much real estate in the heart. And, and I think that's what happened with Yosef. And that allowed him to develop a strategy in how to reconnect with his brothers. If he totally forgot, then he totally forgot. If he was still with the trauma, I don't think he could have devised this whole setup with, with this was part of the disguise, the brothers coming, the brothers going, holding Shimon, and then Shimon going back to the brothers, but now he's taking Benjamin. This was all a strategy. It's because he did remember. Right. In other words, it's always in there. And it goes always, back to your sense of how the hidden inside is always present in some way. That's the question right. was going to get it out. Yes. You know, the other association with Hanukkah, based on what you said about disguising, you know, the Talmudic practice was always to put the candles outside. And in the medieval period, they talk about now we can't because mm. of shmad, oppression. It's not clear what's going on there, but the Jewish minority felt uncomfortable sharing that menorah with the outside world. And they said, today our customers have put it on the table and it's just for the immediate family. And when you told your story about Nachlaot, I can't help but imagine all those medieval postgame in Spain or Germany or France, wherever they are. And I'd like to believe, I think you bring this out of me, a mystical side. I'd like to believe you said they were with you in Nachlaot, watching all these Jews lighting, as you said beautifully, on the border between the inside and the outside space, sharing the light oh. out there uh, in the most public way possible. Like, what an answer to all those centuries of having to keep it hidden. Wow. Wow. Yes. And yet. Wow. And yes. So you did it. You did a tikkun for all those centuries of keeping wow. your Hanukkiahs <laughs> inside the house. So I'm very excited. 
And if you're ever in Israel, you should all go to Nachlo. You could also visit Yiska. She'd be happy to have you. But in addition to that, on Hanukkah, it's, uh, it's particularly it's a, special. Yes. So I want to bring up uh, the big question that needs some addressing here, of course, which is why Yosef, first of all, he's, he's in Egypt for years. He doesn't send word home, right? He doesn't send a messenger, Dad, this is where I am right now. He doesn't travel himself. He doesn't tell Paro, I need a vacation. All this man- food management is exhausting. I'm just going to go back to Canaan for a quick visit. It really connects to our previous piece of how disguised he was. From the story, it feels like until they show up and he remembers the dreams, he has no intention of going back there. And then begins this whole project of quizzing them, imprisoning Shimon, insisting Benjamin come back. I have to ask you, the way you read this, why does Yosef go through this whole plan? You know, the hiding of the cup and getting Benjamin into trouble and the, the whole piece there. Why this whole project? Well, that's, that's, such, a, an important, that's such an important question. He understood, I believe, I mean, he so wanted to connect to his brothers. He so wanted to be loved by his brothers. And yet, he knew that for this to happen, he had to create a scenario where Yehuda, and he already knew through Rosh HaKodesh that Yehuda would be the progenitor of Mashiach through the Davidic line. In order to bring redemption, however we understand redemption, even, like, I would say even personal redemption, that's where it begins. What... What do I need to be redeemed from? He wanted to forgive. I believe he wanted to forgive. He was actually, he birthed forgiveness in next week's parashah, Yigash. The masters of Chassidut right. say that what came, the two energies that came together was doing Teshuvah and forgiveness. They came together through Beautiful. Yehuda and through Yosef, which is why in Masachat Shabbat it also refers to a Mashiach ben Yosef. Mm-hmm. There's also a redemptive quality to forgiveness, yes. not only to doing Teshuvah, to answer your question, though, I, I would go to the Rambam when he writes in Mishnah Torah and Hilchot Teshuvah that the ultimate step of Teshuvah, you, you know it's complete when through divine providence, you don't have to try to make it happen. God will make it happen. You find yourself, wait a minute, I've been here before, but I'm not going to respond the same as before. I'm going to behave differently. So all this was, I believe, giving all the chafzachut to the Yosef, who's called Hatzadik. Not that he never made a mistake, but I believe he had the depth of wisdom, he had the clarity of revealing his own organus, to realize he had to construct a scenario when he had to get both Binyamin and Yehuda together in front of him. And it was brilliant. It was brilliant because when Yehuda said to him and approached him, not like someone who prostate would be on the ground kneeling, and he, he actually risked his life by pushing back on Yosef, thinking he was someone else. And he said, I'll, I'll take his place. I already did this once before with a brother. Where he, I, I, I put him into slavery. I can't do this a second time. That was like, and that's when Yosef, he could not refrain himself anymore. That's when he knew, ah, Yehuda, you did it. Now let's get on with our lives. And then the family can heal. And then the family can heal because he did do it. That was redemption. That was the beginning of the redemption. 
Beautiful. So I have a very different take. Based on the you old than new, but I love your take very much uh, in ways it's very personally inspiring as well. So when when Yosef is first sent away, his father is the one who sends him out there. And it's possible Yosef believes that he's the rejected son, that his father was in on it from the very beginning to, to get rid of him. And it's possible that Yosef goes down to Egypt all those years believing that he's Esau. Right? He also encounters an Ish on the way, as his oh, father did, yeah. right? And that he's Esau. And even though he had the dreams, unlike his father, he's not included. And perhaps only when he sees his brothers in Egypt, he realizes, oh, wait, I am part of this story, I am part of this plan, and now I have to figure out how to bring everybody back together again. Which brings us back, really, to the beginning, that his disguise, maybe wasn't. Maybe he really thought that was his destiny. It wasn't going to go farther than that. And the pain that must have been inside of him to feel that he wasn't going to be part of this destiny that he knew about, wasn't going to share. Then the brothers show up and then he learns that he has he actually is part of the story. And then, you know, your Perush really takes over. So now he's got to heal this family. Wow. If he's going to be part of the story, then nobody's rejected. There are no rejected there sons. There are no rejected, yes. And therefore he has to figure out how he's going to bring this whole family together in spite of this horrible trauma in the past because there are no rejected sons. Wow, thank you for sharing that. Uh, that does thank you, it all kind of comes yeah, together. Well, that does remind me, more than one person has said that when Yaakov told him to do what he did, that was one of the worst parenting decisions. decisions. I know your brothers hate you. Why don't you go by yourself and go check on them and see how everything is going? But why then didn't Yosef, after he didn't find them where his father said they would be, why, did he be, why didn't he just return home and said, Abba, I did what you told me, Kibudav. Mm-hmm. Why did he... Pursue where he was blundering to Ebisad. He didn't even know where he was going. It seems like he had no fear of them. I know we're on last week's Parsha, but it seems like he had no... He didn't really believe they would ever be capable of doing uh, what... what wow. You know, that, that, that step. Or he didn't think they'd be capable of doing it to their father. Uh, just to conclude, at, at my end of this, uh, which is an amazing discussion, what you just shared... It, it, it again reminds me that the the value of our our vote in imahot when we say maaseh was this maaseh avot siman lebanim is that they were human they were human he did according to what you're suggesting what perhaps may, may be the most human response yeah without higher consciousness, without looking at the next part of the journey or the mystical or spiritual, just a basic, like, I can't believe what my family, I can't believe what my father did, and I can't believe what my brothers did. So you know what? Farewell. I'm, I'm making a life for myself. Well, if there's so much darkness, right, bring it back to your metaphor, you don't believe light is possible anymore, right? Because all there is is dark. So you have to elevate pretty high to, to see that. Yeah. You know, the other association I had, I realize this is a strange association, but I connect to it. I didn't grow up in a, religious family and I remember as a child I had moments of being very jealous of Christmas there was a sense that the Jewish people or what Jews had was so much less so much smaller so much not part of the mainstream that we're it felt like we were the rejected group you know so we're not part of what's really important 
What's happening over there with Santa at the mall, that's obviously what's really important because that's what's on TV, that's what's in the movies, that's what all the famous people talk about. Uh, and Hanukkah comes along and tries to, I think, uh, in a certain way, because of the timing, it forces us to really reconnect and believe what we are doing is very, very important. Wow. That we have something important to do, which I know as a child I needed. We all needed it. Maybe that's why we got a gift every night. <laughs> <laughs> to show that it was better. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. Uh, anything else you'd like to share before we, uh, we close? Not, not that I can... Uh, no, actually. Well, I want to thank you. I learned so much from you as I do every time. And a no. pleasure uh, talking with you. Well, uh, I'd like to thank you. Uh, I, I always pleasure. learn from you. My pleasure. Yeah. So on behalf, we'd like to wish everybody a Hanukkah Sameach. A meaningful Hanukkah, but as Yiska said, discover that inner light. And then shine it out. Shine, shine it, it out, it there, out. which we also need, takes courage. We need your light. <laughs> Kola Kavod and a Shabbat Shalom, and we look forward to you listening to more Pardes Parsha podcast in the future. Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Spotify for the latest episodes of the Pardes Parsha podcast.